Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Lead Your Life podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Barron, and I am thrilled you are here again with me this week. So I'm really curious. Do any of you know that friend or have that person at work that completely defies the odds, that absolutely breaks the mold, that is so inspiring that you want to be more like them because they just have this boldness and this curiosity and this drive that is just so inspiring. Well, I think we all know that person. And I am lucky to be the coach to one of those people. I'm thrilled to have my next guest on the show today. Her name is Caroline Calhoun. And we met towards the end of 2018. We were actually talking about it before the podcast interview. I was moving my oldest daughter, Hannah, into her freshman year of college, and I took the phone call from a very hot and sweaty dorm room where we were moving in furniture and all the stuff from Bed Bath & Beyond. And ironically, I'm getting ready to move my youngest daughter, Bailey, into college in a few weeks. So Caroline and I were reminiscing right before the podcast interview about that first phone call and getting started with coaching. I am so excited that Caroline has been my coaching client. And as a coach, we all learn things from our clients. And Caroline is definitely one of those people that I have learned a lot from throughout our journey together. And I can't wait for her to share her story with you because she does defy the odds in so many different ways. She is probably one of the youngest women CEOs in tech that I know. And when you look at the stats in tech, I can tell you that only 18% of the roles in tech, including engineering, data science, product design, and more, are held by women in the U.S. And that ratio falls even more sharply when considering seniority. So just think about that. Only 18% of all tech roles are held by women. And when you get into senior management positions it obviously goes to even an, an even lower number. So at the senior level, the percentage drops to 16% are women. And at the executive level, only 10% of roles in tech are held by women. 10%. So Caroline is defeating the odds in so many different ways. And she is just a badass power leader. And she has got such a servant leader heart. So I can't wait for you to listen to her interview. She talks about incorporating values into the organization, and she has so much knowledge to share. She talks about her coaching journey as well. She also talks about going from one-on-one coaching to our group program called the Women Leading Powerfully Leadership Lab. And Caroline, which I don't know if she was aware of until today or not, was one of the people that was instrumental in bringing us to the point of developing Women Leading Powerfully, because she and other leaders that we were working with, my partner and I, Lori Tab, were we were getting feedback from other leaders that women were looking for community and they were looking for like-minded women that they could grow, they could learn from, they could get support from. And there wasn't just there just wasn't anything like that out there. And so Lori and I developed it ourselves. So we develop the Women Leading Powerfully Leadership Lab, which is a 12-week group coaching program for women, uh, for an intimate group of women, about 12 to 15 women. And it has curriculum. There's three pillars of the program. 
focusing in on your self-awareness. The second pillar is all around clarity, getting clarity about what you want in life. And then the third pillar of the program is all around taking action. So Caroline talks about her experience in Women Leading Powerfully, as well as she is still in one-on-one coaching. And she's been in coaching now for three years. And part of that is because, as she talks about and admits, she's a consummate learner. So am I, by the way. And I'm always looking to grow and learn and to be better. And so is Caroline. It's part of what she defines as her leadership. She always wants to be not only doing better, but being a better leader. And it's her commitment and her investment in herself as a leader, which defines why her company has also been so successful. She is a powerhouse and she continues to get better and better with the help and the support of a coach and with the help and the support of other women through the Women Leading Powerfully program. So once you listen to this episode and you listen to Caroline elevating in the organization from a support and development role to the CEO of a tech company, to quadrupling the size of her business, to doubling the size of her employees, to getting out of her comfort zone, If you're not ready to do that for yourself after this episode, I don't know what's going to get you a kick in the pants. But it is time. It is time for you to invest in yourself, invest in your future. Because like Caroline says, the ROI is endless. It's not just a one and done. The results keep going and going and going long after the coaching or the program ends. We are filling our last cohort of 2021 and it starts September 20th. So if you're ready to take the leap, invest in yourself and invest in your future, let me know. Email me at natalie at corecreationcoaching.com and let me know you're interested. And I'm happy to have a phone call with you to decide if the program is a good fit for you. So I'm so excited for you to hear Caroline's interview and so grateful that she took the time to come on the podcast because she has a lot of great things to say. And she is hilarious. I love her sense of humor. I love who she is as a woman. And again, I feel privileged to be her coach. And I can't wait to have you share in our conversation. So let's get started. Welcome to the Lead Your Life podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Barron. I'm obsessed with helping people feel more connected to themselves, the people they love, their work, and their purpose. I'm a leadership coach, speaker, self-improvement junkie, wife, mom of two teenagers, and 30-year corporate career woman turned entrepreneur. This podcast will give you the tools, insights, and real honest conversations that will help you lead your life so you can love your life. Let's dive in. All right, Caroline. Oh my gosh, I am so excited to have this conversation. We've been planning this for a while and I'm glad we finally made it happen. I'm so grateful you're here today. No thanks to email junk folders. (laughs) Well, why don't you start by sharing a little bit about yourself and your career history? Sure. So I am the CEO of a small software company called 5 by 5 Solutions that does uh, distillery management software for the craft spirits industry. 
I've been with the company for five and a half years now. Uh, I started as a support agent and then just kind of took over other stuff as I went. A little bit of a snowball effect. And now here we are. Um, awesome. Prior to that, my background was just sales. So just all kinds of selling stuff and then left that for tech. And here we are. Yeah. And so tell us a little bit about what 5 by 5 does. Sure. So we have two products called Distill by 5 and Whiskey Systems that do essentially the same thing in different ways for craft distillery management. So craft distilleries have a ton of federal compliance requirements um, between filing taxes and just making sure that nobody's getting poisoned from your booze. Um, So we put all of that together in software and make it seamless to submit federal reports and keep all of your operations on track and make sure everything is where it's supposed to be if an auditor shows up. Awesome. And how did you, I mean, I know, you know, obviously it's one of those businesses that you hear about. You're like, oh, I never thought about that. And it perfectly, it makes perfect sense, right? That you would need that. And then how did you, you know, how did you get started with five by five and what brought you, what brought you there? I started with five by five when it was called something completely different after moving to Alabama from Denver with my now husband, he had a job offer uh, in Northern Alabama. So we decided we'd go on an adventure. We've been together for nine months. Thank God it worked out. <laughs> um, but while we were in Alabama, I didn't have a job and I didn't have anything to do, nor did I have friends or anywhere to explore or anything else. So I started learning to code. Um, my husband's a software developer and is really passionate about tech and code and everything else. So figured why not? I've got some time on my hands. Realized that I love tech and hate coding. I like people a lot more than I like logic. So while I can code, it's not how I would choose to spend my time. Uh, but when we came back to Denver a full six months later, we made it a really, really long time in Alabama. It was a great fit. So glad we did that. Um, when we came back, I decided that instead of going back into just sales, I might as well move into tech and do whatever with a cool company. I've always been a fan of finding companies that fit rather than roles that fit. Mm. So when I came across the listing for a support agent for this company that was doing, again, craft distillery management software, which is such a niche thing. I was like, well, I like booze. I want to be in tech. See how it goes. That's a good mashup, right? (laughs) Great. So I started just learning the industry and learning software and how distilling works and how you have to keep track of things and all of those wild reporting requirements that the distilleries have and took over the support team and then took over a product team and then took over a different product team and then took over a development team and then took over the world. Here, here I am. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. And I love that you're sitting here saying I'm the CEO of a tech company because it's so rare that women are in elevated positions within tech. So what do you think has been, you know, some of the keys to your success? I think probably the biggest key to my success is just stubbornness combined with inertia. There were a lot of times in the last five years that I thought about leaving my job, whether because it wasn't a good fit, or I didn't love what I was doing, or I didn't love what I was doing it for. And then I just didn't uh, and kept moving forward. It's a hugely male-dominated industry, and I think that people have grown to expect male leadership in tech companies, um, and that goes for women as well as men, despite 
all of the progress that we're making everywhere else. So I think it was just something that I never expected to be in charge of the company, but I did want to steer the ship and see, you know, affect where it was going. When my company was acquired in 2019 by a, a bigger software conglomerate, essentially, I, I assumed that I would just stay in my role for forever as kind of operations lead. Uh, and the guy that started the company would continue leading. And then he decided to do something else. So the fact that I had done everything for the company, that I was as integrated into all of the functions as I was, and that I wasn't a total ding dong. It was, I mean, it was, it was just kind of a perfect fit. I think that women too often don't take the leap to just start doing something else. Um, one thing that I tell my team a lot is that no job that I've ever had with this company, with the exception of the first one, existed before I had it. Hmm. So with my company, the, my progression was really looking around and seeing what I didn't like that was happening across the company, whether it was processes that needed to be improved or things that needed additional attention or projects that just weren't going in the direction that I thought they should and getting involved and sticking my foot in the door and saying, Hey, I think we can do this better. And luckily I had a, you know, a leadership team that was receptive or just not engaged enough to care if I got involved. Uh, (laughs) And so it was kind of just a perfect fit. I think that too often we say like, well, that's not my job. But it could be if you wanted it. Yeah. So, yeah. So, what I hear you saying is, I know you said stubbornness. I'm going to say persistence because I I know you well enough, and and action. So, not just you know waiting for things to happen, but you taking an active role in solving problems that are going to benefit the company, and therefore, obviously, you benefit from that as well in terms of advocating for yourself, having better visibility. What else? What else do you think was important? I think having a... In in some ways, it's funny listening to you say that. I think it's all just sales. So to me, sales has always been like, I think, I think a book just came out called like To Sell is Human. I haven't read it, but I assume that I understand the principle based on the, the title. And I fully agree with that because I think that as humans, what we do consistently is identify needs, try to fulfill those needs, and position ourselves to get what we're trying to get. That's sales in a nutshell. Yeah. What does somebody need? How can I do that? And how do I convince them to give me that opportunity? That is 100% what my career has been. Just saying, here's a thing that you need, even if you don't know that you need it yet. I can do that. I can do it better than anyone else can. And I want to. So sometimes it's just ask, begging uh, forgiveness after having done the thing. But I think it's it's really just finding that thing that is exciting. It's an exciting problem to solve. It's an exciting challenge to tackle. And figuring out how to do that in a way that satisfies your needs as an individual. And, and that, for me, is almost always a challenge. Yeah. And I love what you're saying because, and I appreciate it so much because I think one of the missteps that I see a lot of women make in their careers is they say, you know, I'm in my role, in my defined role. I'm going to put my head down. I'm going to do A plus 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 work. And then when I'm done with that work, I should be acknowledged and I should be given the next role. And meanwhile, the dude who was doing your job 10 years ago didn't do half of it. 
yeah. but was networking the whole time and is now three levels ahead. Exactly. E- exactly. And and that's what the part that women forget is how important the networking piece is and how important the avocation piece is. And just sticking your head up and saying like, hey, I'm doing my job, but also I am paying attention to everything else. And here are all these other places that I can bring value and would like to. And sticking me in this one little corner and having me check these five boxes for my roles and responsibilities. Isn't it? Yeah. Well, especially in today's marketplace, right? Especially in tech, things are changing so rapidly. I mean, the technology that you guys were probably using, you know, a year ago, two years ago, you're probably evolving and completely changing. And the fact is, is there's, we are living in such a fast paced world, no matter what industry you're in, that there's always things that are changing and there's always obstacles that are coming up for organizations where there's opportunities for us to fulfill some need and take some action that will help the organization. Absolutely. And again, to your point, if you're viewing it from my role and my responsibilities and my piece of the, of the world, you just don't see those. Yeah. So I think it's always, it's been really important for me to really holistically understand everything that my company has, was doing, you know, irrespective of my role in whatever company I was working for, because I felt like it made me better at my job because I had a better understanding of the impact more broadly and also gave me the opportunity to see those things when they opened up. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the greatest privileges I have is I get to coach amazing, amazing women. And um, you are one of my clients and I'm lucky enough to call you uh, a client. And I'm curious, you know, we were actually just talking on the call right before this and thinking about like, when did we actually start coaching? And we were talking about 2018. I remember I was moving Hannah into her dorm room and we got on the phone together because a friend had referred you to me, a mutual friend of both of ours. And we had a conversation and I, I can't believe it's been since 2018 we had that conversation. And I'm curious to know if you could share, you know, what made you look into and seek out a coach and then eventually sign up for coaching? It's funny because I, I also remember that first call because I think you were moving in Hannah and I was in the car. <laughs> and I don't know why I remember that I was in the car, except that most of my conversations happen while driving. We're used to when I left the yeah, house. Yeah, pre-COVID, right? <laughs> um, I would like to point out that it's been three years and five years because I think 2020 counts as like two and a half, three years, give or take. Um, <laughs> I agree. Thank you, COVID. Uh, I was introduced to you because our mutual friend, I think, was tired of me bitching about how much I hated my job. At that point, I had been with the company for a couple of years and I was just frustrated with bad leadership and couldn't figure out how I could improve things and was really looking for, I guess, just a different framework for thinking about what I wanted to do when I grew up. I think I'm still having that conversation. What do I want to do when I grow up? But it was your commitment to helping women grow and progress and advocating for women in, in leadership specifically, but in all facets of professional development that really sold me on the idea that it does take a village and a community and no one is an island. And sometimes people just 
see stuff that you don't. And in the last three years, I think I can say that you've gotten deeper in my head than I have (laughs) for better or worse. (laughs) Um, And just thinking about having someone who will listen to what you're saying and then take what you're saying and extrapolate it into what you actually mean and how to turn that into action or what is underlying what you're saying. So when I say that I like a challenge, it's that I like growth. I like learning. It's I like to find things where I can stretch. It's not just that I like a challenge or I like things being difficult. I want to learn something new, contribute to that organization or that team or that group or whatever, and have a positive impact. I don't know that I could get there on my own. But you helped. Yeah, well, and I'm, and I'm curious. Thank you. Thank you for that. And, you know, one of the things you just mentioned is I like being challenged. I like being stretched and I like taking action, which that's why literally you are my ideal client. And I've loved our journey together. And I'm so grateful that we're still working together because, you know, those are the kind of women that I, I'm so attracted to coaching because you are an action taker. I mean, you are not someone that's going to sit on the sidelines and say, yeah, Natalie, you know, we're having all these great insights, but I don't know if I can do it or I don't know if I'm willing to do it or maybe I'll try a little bit. Like you are someone who literally takes exactly what we talk about in our calls and you put them directly into action. And I also understand and I also want to be empathetic that there are some people who might be listening to this who say, you know, I'm not, you know, I don't know if I'm ready to do that. And so I only know because I, because of our mutual friend that, you know, coaching is something I think she had talked to you about for a while. And it took you a bit to pick up the phone. And I'm curious to know what kept you from signing up for coaching sooner? It was that I don't know if I'm ready to do anything. That was 100% what it was. Again, inertia is a really strong force. It is a lot easier to not do something than it is to do something. Even even if you don't like what's currently happening, there is always some level of risk involved with any kind of change. And being comfortable in misery is still comfortable. Mm-hmm. There's no There's no fear there. There's no unknown. There is no leap associated with continuing to be miserable or just unhappy or underutilized or underappreciated or whatever it is. I got to a point where I think there there just wasn't anything left to lose. I mean, I wasn't happy and I figured nothing I was going to do was going to make me unhappier. (laughs) So if there was a potential upside, sure. Right. Why not give it a shot? There wasn't like a single tipping point or anything that happened that I was like, all right, today's the day. Mm -hmm. But I don't think that's how it is for most people. And I think one of the hardest things that we face as humans is the discussion of how we get out of our own way. I mean, we've talked a lot about this recently, but you can put any framework you want in place to keep yourself, to make, hold yourself accountable. But ultimately there isn't a tool that makes you do it. There's nothing that makes you say like, okay, now I'm going to drink more water. I'm going to drink all the water I'm supposed to drink every day. And I've set up an app on my phone and I have a special measured water bottle. That doesn't do it. You still have to take the step and actually drink the water. Yep. <laughs> so I think it's just what's scarier? Living like this, whatever this is, forever, 
or potentially making a change. Yeah. So I literally just this last week and I, I and I didn't do it in preparation or because of this conversation. I, I just think it's ironic that we're talking about it. I literally just posted on Instagram this week that so many times we think that the opposite of success is failure. But it's actually I, I just heard a leadership discussion last week with Michelle Poehler, who writes around 100 Days of Fear. And she has a great TED Talk. People should definitely go listen to it. It's amazing. And she talks about the opposite of success is not failure. It's comfort. Agreed. But we stay in our comfort zone. And that is truly the thing that keeps us from success. And I, I mean, I share, I've shared this on the podcast before. I've shared this with you personally. It's what held me back. It's what held me back from launching into entrepreneurship, from launching into my own business, um, from really taking ownership of my own career because I was super comfortable in my corporate job with all my cushy benefits and my salary and the, the comfort and security of, you know, a biweekly paycheck. And it was great. And that was so comfortable. And I, I look back and think, oh my gosh, I could have easily stayed there and I wouldn't have had the opportunity to get to do what I do now, which I feel so grateful for every day. And it's scary. It's scary as hell. There's no doubt about it. It absolutely is scary. So I, I appreciate you sharing, you know, your, your journey into coaching. And I'm curious to know if you wouldn't mind sharing, you know, what have you learned along the way and how has coaching helped you specifically in your leadership journey? I think the single biggest thing that I've gotten out of coaching so far is identifying what my core values are. Because I don't think that that's a thing that anybody ever asks. I mean, even if you go through, you know, discover your strengths or uh, disc or literally any other kind of professionally oriented, what do I do with my life quiz or framework or whatever? That's not a question that ever gets asked. Like, what do you value? What do you want? in your life and how do we get that balance? I mean, it's funny. I said this once to my mother and she still brings it up as like the worst thing that I've ever said, but I actually hold true. Like I stand by this. I don't believe in work-life balance at all. I don't think it exists because you're, you're putting two things that are a huge part of your life against each other and trying to say like, okay, where do I draw the line between them? I'm a big fan of personal and professional alignment, which I think core values really helps with. I want to want to do my job. I want to want to go to work. I want to wake up excited and not get the Sunday scaries because I'm doing something that that fits what I want out of life and what I would want in any situation, irrespective of you know whether it's providing a biweekly paycheck or not. And I think that figuring out what my core values were and are and then kind of trying to make my professional life fit into those values rather than competing against them was the single biggest thing that coaching has taught me. And ultimately is the reason that my company is the way that it is now. And the reason that people enjoy working for us and working with us. Mm. Can you tell us a little bit more about that in terms of the specifics? Totally. Um, I mean, so I think one of, One of the things that a lot of small businesses 
miss out on is the ability to define a company culture through the identification of core values. So we went through the whole core values exercise at some point in probably 2018, 2019. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I started thinking about, you know, what if that gave me that much clarity, how much clarity would it give my team, my business, our, our partners more broadly? How would it help us identify when decisions came up, how to make them in a way that was in alignment with where we wanted to go and who we wanted to be? So in 2019, we started a 20, yeah, 2019, 2018, 2018. I did it really quickly, apparently. Turn this right around. <laughs> um, we had a company retreat and I challenged the team to basically put sticky notes up on the wall for what you wanted to feel like at work in doing everyday tasks. What do you want to, what do you want to feel like? What do you want to feel like when you go to work? How do you want to feel when you talk about what you do with other people? How do you want those client interactions to feel? And from there, we started iterating on our our core values as a company. Um, We've been through a couple of different iterations of it. We challenge them every year, go back and say, does this still fit who we are, who we want to be? But ultimately, we've come up with a set of five core values that are universally applicable across the business, no matter what form or function. They give us a common language to discuss what we're doing. And again, when those inflection points come up, mm-hmm. say like, is this moving toward what we want to be, who we are, and staying true to, to what we've done in the past and that has gotten us where we are today? That's incredible. I actually didn't know that story. So I'm so, I'm so glad you shared it. And I'm curious, what do you do when there's competing values? I don't know that that has ever come up. That's not true. We have two of our, two of our values are act as an owner and work as a team which should present some kind of a conflict. Do you take ownership for the thing or do you collaborate on it? Mm -hmm. The idea of being, to some extent, mission-driven and understanding why each of those values is important and what function they're serving, what greater purpose they're serving for the team or for the company, eliminates that conflict. Because it's not, there shouldn't ever be a situation in which someone is basically running the show without any kind of input or without any kind of feedback or to the detriment of the broader team. That goes against every other core value. So I think in identifying really who we want to be more holistically through a mission statement and then having these values that support that mission really eliminates that conflict. Because ultimately, if, if one kills the others, then that one isn't right. Right. Well, and what I appreciate so much is that, first of all, going back to action, you took action, you not only took your personal experience that you had in coaching, and then you uh, shared it and you shared it with others and you shared it with your organization. And so many organizations, big, small, medium, they put up their core values. And it's leadership owners putting up the core values and saying, look, everyone needs to live by this. And what I love that, and you that did. works out really well. <laughs> Everybody's on board when that happens, for sure, definitely. Right, right. And then what I love is that you did this collaborative approach, and you sought everyone's input, and you said, "Let's agree as an organization, you know, what our core values are together." So they're not just something on a wall. 
And then I love that you role played like, okay, how are we going to deal with you know, when something competes or what, how are we going to manage this? And so then everyone has that ownership, that buy-in. And what I love is that you were living them out as a team. And it's the same way that we talk about core values being involved in everything you do personally and how that, how that impacts your, you know, personal development and, and the vision that you have for the future and everything else. It is exactly the same for the business. So it is, we have Slack emojis for all of them. We have a quarterly values champion. We talk about them literally every day. Uh, the, the core values are so intimately connected to everything we do. And they so dramatically inform how we interact with each other and with our clients that there's no opportunity for that culture to even start to erode because the buy-in is, it's natural. It's not forced. I think too often uh, the cult of the founder means that somebody comes up, especially in tech, this is definitely a tech thing, that someone has a great idea and their product's going to change the world. So they come up with this grandiose mission statement and and dictate those core values. Well, that's great, except that the person who came up with that mission statement is probably not the person carrying it out mm-hmm. on a customer-facing level or supporting the entire organization holistically. So the top-down approach just doesn't work for getting that, that buy-in and building that culture that really supports the organization's growth and development. And again feeds that personal and professional alignment. Because if you have a great company culture, if you have great core values, independent of what you're doing as a company, whatever you know function your business serves, mm-hmm. it's still a great place to work because everybody is on the same level, working toward the same thing, communicating effectively about what those goals are. And it just eliminates a lot of the conflict that you see, especially in a growing company. Mm-hmm. Um, in the last two years... I have quadrupled the size of my business, which is a lot. And theoretically, there should be massive, there should have been massive pain points in there. And they just weren't. They just didn't exist because we had this foundation set for where we were going and how we were getting there. Mm-hmm. So even as the business has grown dramatically, the the kinds of conversations we're having, the level of service we provide, the, the quality of the products that we produce has not been in any way affected because that's the that's the point. That's why the culture exists the way that it does. Exactly. Exactly. Well, and you know what you're saying is so important too because I think so many companies uh really don't put a huge value on company culture. They say, "Oh, we're going to, you know, have these objectives, this vision, this is what we're heading towards." And then they kind of you know, use culture as well, well we'll figure it out as we go or, but you know, what you're really talking about is that the culture needs to be the foundational, the foundation of the company. And so I know you mentioned too, uh, collaborate as a team and act as an owner. Would you mind sharing the other core values of five by five? Yeah. So it's, uh, act as an owner, be the expert, build for the future, clear the path, work as a team. Awesome. That's so powerful. And I love that you guys all did that collaboratively. In fairness, I don't work as a, act as a team or work as a team was not one of our values before last year. Uh, we brought in a, uh, we acquired another business last summer and brought in five new employees through that acquisition um, and doubled our customer base and a whole bunch of other things. But realized that this this group that was coming in 
hadn't been through the whole process. They had a defined company culture or loosely defined company culture prior to joining five by five. And what we wanted to do was make sure that everybody again was participating. So we had planned to do a full values challenge anyway, to just say, does this still meet our needs? And what came out of including this totally different perspective in that was this fifth value that was so crucial and so fundamental. We changed a lot of the definitions, kind of the, the softer side of those values as we went through to really clarify who we were serving and what we were going for. Mm-hmm. Build for the future is both internal ex- and external. Right. It's not just clearing the path for our customers and making it easier for them to do their job. It's making it easier for us to do our jobs and for us to continue to serve those customers. Because ultimately, if we're handicapping ourselves, we can't continue to serve them. So making decisions for both internal and external stakeholders was something that really evolved in that last challenge. And I think largely because we brought in this whole new team that was brand new to the company. Sure. So when we first met, you've mentioned on the call, and you're so humble, but you have so much to celebrate. You've gone from support and development manager to CEO of the corporation. You've acquired (laughs) another competitor along the way. You quadrupled the business. Um, we were acquired. You were acquired, right? And you stayed on as, you know, that's when you went to the CEO role. So I'm curious to know what, what else are you most proud of accomplishing during the last, you know, three years? I think what I am most proud of accomplishing, probably in the entirety of my time with Five by Five, is the amount of individual growth I've seen across my team. I had, we brought in a support, another support agent, I think a year, maybe two after I joined. Again, 2020 just really messed up my whole inner timeline. I have no idea when anything happened anymore. <laughs> I'm in the great. same boat. Uh, so a year or two after I started, we brought in a couple of new support agents. One of them is now our director of customer experience. And the other is our uh, QA engineer on our primary product. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, neither of them had any aspirations of doing that thing. And again, it's one of those things that you find the opportunity and you go for it. Those were individuals who had a really strong passion for, on the one hand, serving customers and providing an extraordinary customer experience. And on the other hand, understanding very deeply how things work and how to break them, which seems like a very odd perspective, but is so insanely valuable in software that it was an incredible opportunity to help those people move into those roles and continue to grow those skill sets to the benefit of the company. Again, it's that whole alignment piece that Mm -hmm. they didn't need to leave to go get that experience. We were able to build that into their roles and help them grow in that direction. They've both been with the company now for three or four years, however long it was ago that they were hired. Um, and I think they're, I mean, the sky's the limit for what they can achieve. And I think that's probably what I feel best about accomplishing in my role. So spoken as a true servant leader, I I just want to point out, you know, I asked you specifically what you were most proud of, thinking you would share something specific about you personally. And here, you know, it just, it just talks so much to who you are as a leader. You know, the first thing you talk about is how your people have grown and how they have taken on new roles and and how you've basically, you know, given them a platform, but how they've really 
gone to living out their strengths and and to being given opportunities for them to grow themselves. So spoken as a true servant leader, which I appreciate so much about you. What do you want to share with other women who are in tech or other male dominated fields about being in leadership? Get angrier. (laughs) Tell me more. (laughs) I like to say that I have two TED Talks. One of them is on taking notes and the other is on why women should be way angrier than they are. (laughs) Um, I think that especially in male-dominated fields, women have a tendency to, like you said, try to to keep your head down, do your job really well, and hope that success follows. Because I think we're all taught at some very, very young age, because nobody can actually articulate when they learn this, that the way that you get ahead is by com- being competent. You said competent, right? Competent. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. I think that's bullshit. <laughs> I think that's probably 30% of it. Because the other piece of it is having the fire and the drive to stick your head up and say, listen, I'm really good at my job and you're wildly underutilizing me. Or I'm not earning what I should be. Or I have way more experience on that project. Why did that person get put in charge of it? Like I, I earned that opportunity. You're making a bad decision, and having the the gumption or the the straight rage to be able to say like this is what I have earned. This is what I deserve, and asking for it. It's not about being angry at someone. It's about being angry about the fact that things are messed up that they aren't going exactly how they should. And it's not entitlement. It is, uh, it's just what you deserve. I don't know how else to put it, but I think too often women are afraid that they will look angry, that they will come off as irrational or emotional or impulsive or whatever other totally normal emotion that women are afraid of displaying in a workplace. And I think that anger really helps with overcoming that, with understanding that, Things aren't unequal because you don't deserve them to be equal. That's just the normal state. And unless you're able to propel yourself over that hurdle, it doesn't go away. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think sometimes it's a double-edged sword, right? Because I think sometimes women get get backlash for being angry. And, and then, you know, us showing up angry is, quote unquote, us being bitchy. Right. Right. And so I... But... Here's, I guess, my coaching on that is just like women who talk about, well, I don't want to advocate for myself because I don't want to, I don't want to show up like I'm being egotistical or I don't want to show up like, you know, I'm being full of myself or narcissistic. What I tell them is just try because your version of being egotistical or, or showy is like a one on, and you may feel like it's a 10, but it's really not. It, it's just what you need to do. And so I feel the same way about, you know, anger. And, you know, I think we're women where we may think it may be perceived as bitchy or it may be perceived a certain way. We still need so far to go to actually get to that point that what we feel is uncomfortable is basically what we should be doing. Well, and I think there's a there's a tendency to view anger as directed. That when I think of someone as describing me as bitchy, which I'm sure happens like every day and I just don't know about it, which is great. I'm fine with that. It has to do with how I've treated other people. 
that someone feels slighted or in some way worse off because of the interaction they had with me. That's not the anger that I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is like that deep, deep belly anger of things aren't right. Things aren't where they should be. I want them to be better. Here's how I'm going to make that happen. Yeah. It's no one, it's no individual's fault most of the time. It's just quote, the way things are. Right. Which is where that rage comes from. Yeah. So being able to say, this is not a reflection of me or my abilities or even the intention of the people around me or with whom I work or whatever. It's just the way that things have been laid out, built up, how organized, whatever it is. The patriarchy of the system. It's the patriarchy at work. (laughs) So I'm never mad at the person who is carrying out the will of the patriarchy. I'm just pissed it's there. And that gives me the drive to try to fix it. And again, it's a, it's a cooperative process. You want everybody who wants to be on the bus to be on the bus. Because mm-hmm. it's so much easier if you can build that coalition. But unless you have that rage to say, this could be better. This doesn't need to be this way. It doesn't get done. No, I completely agree. And you know, what I really hear you saying is, you know, each of us taking personal accountability and action about being intentional about, you know, not just, not just accepting it as if it's okay and, and doing something to change it. It's so, and it's, you know, you talked about, um, it's a collaborative process. I mean, actually interviewing someone on my podcast, Heather Backstrom, she's going to be talking about collaborative confidence and it's cool. Yeah. It's this, it's this, um, shared experience of women of, not only being confident, but how do you collaborate with other women to lift other women up, right? And how do you lift other women up? And then how do you, once you get to the top, how do you reach back down and help other women who need to elevate? And how do you collaborate with and and build that that collective confidence? So I love I love that you shared that because it ties right into what we're going to be talking about. So along the way, we we had one-on-one coaching and we were doing that for about a year and a half. And then in the middle of COVID, Lori and I were really hearing from women and you were one of the first women that said to me, you know, look, I'm looking for a group of women. I'm looking for, you know, can you suggest any networking groups or are there any other groups I can join where I can find like-minded women who I can collaborate with and build relationships with? And it's so funny, you know, I think I recommended a couple to you, but I knew it, it kind of really wasn't fitting the bill. And I knew it really wasn't what you were looking for. And it's so interesting because Lori was also hearing the same from her private one-on-one clients. And, you know, I don't know if I've ever really, you know, fully articulated this to you, but you were really a big impetus to how Women Leading Powerfully got started because you were asking that question of like, I'm really looking for other women. You know, I'm, I'm at the, you know, I'm at the top of my game. I'm in tech and, there's not a lot of other women at my level and would love to see that kind of collaboration. And so, you know, Lori and I got together, created the 12-week group coaching program, which is now called Women Leading Powerfully, the Leadership Lab. And we created it. And I said, hey, you know, you asked for this. We created it. Would love to have you join. And so you were in our inaugural group um, kicking off in June of 2020 in the middle of COVID. And so I'm curious if you could just share a little bit about what your experience was was like in uh, Women Leading Powerfully and what you got out of it. It's funny that that just came after on the back of uh, my introduction to collaborative confidence, because (laughs) I think that that is 
WLP in a nutshell. Mm. Um, when we talked initially, I think again, male dominated field, my company is led my, my bigger corporate company is led almost exclusively by men. We have some total badass women in there as well, but I mean, it is predominantly male and it was really important to me to continue to build that community of strong women and to figure out how I could both be better for myself and better for my female employees or colleagues or just community members more broadly. WLP for me was like if a sorority and the coolest company you know had a really smart baby who also really understood where they were emotionally. Like a baby with really high EQ. (laughs) (laughs) And I think it was the first experience that I've had in certainly in my professional life, but I think probably in my adult life more broadly, where you had a group of women who were all super motivated, sharp, brilliant women coming together to just help each other grow. Uh, that there's not, I think, I think when people think of coaching, they think of it as um, problem oriented or solution oriented that I have a problem that I'm trying to solve. And I don't think that's what it is. I, I, it certainly can help overcome those challenges, but I think it's more about just building a, a strong foundation for who you want to be and where you want to be. And WLP was the collective version of that experience. It's not just, I'm in my head trying to figure out either with you or a therapist or a friend or partner or whatever, what I can do or where I can grow. But that collective experience of, of hearing other people's challenges and thinking through, you know, if, if I were presented with that situation, what would I do? Or when I have been in similar positions, what did I do to correct it or whatever? The idea of having that, that kind of mastermind, that like group think or group experience to be able to draw from is incredibly powerful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And are you still in connection with uh, the women from WLP? I am. I would be more if I used Facebook better. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not great at social media. I'm not great at staying in touch generally. And that is, that is on me, but. Yes, I am still in touch with a bunch of the women from WLP. Um, and I know that I know for certain that even if I haven't spoken to someone in the last six months, if I were to reach out, it'd be like no time had passed and we'd get through whatever it was. It's yeah. just, it's a really cool community. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Well, you guys built it. I mean, you guys were really the, the center of it and the, the, connection you guys built that connection together and it was you know Lori and I when we did our first group we weren't really sure what to expect we weren't sure how it was gonna play out and we actually weren't sure that we were going to continue it on we 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 just thought you know what we're gonna try this it could be a one and done and here we are getting ready to fill our seventh cohort which is holy cow crazy yeah I know it's crazy and I it just it's so amazing to see women come together and, and collaborate and build each other up and be there for each other. 
And like you said, you know, it's not just about solving problems. It's really around identifying where you want to be and how you want to get there and, and just women being such support for each other. You know, I can, sometimes working in a male dominated industry, you know, women could tend to, especially at higher levels, be more competitive. And there was no competition in WLP. There is no competition in WLP. No. And I think that's what makes it so unique is you have a, a bunch of the women that we would have expected to be intimidated by in a professional setting, like, you know, the, the women who are just badasses, just really good at what they do. And just, a, they're just a little intimidating. And when you realize that you're in that room and you're swimming in the same waters and you're helping each other grow, there's something really magical for the group and for individuals on their own to realize like, this is, this is the sandbox I play in. These are my people. And there's nothing that I can't do because look at what everybody else is doing. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And what would you say to someone thinking of either trying one-on-one coaching or signing up for Women Leading Powerfully? Do it. That's what I would say. (laughs) Again, I, I get it. I mean, there is, I mean, there's that fear and changing anything is hard. Thinking about making a change is hard. Making like doing something to evaluate whether or not you want to make that change is way easier than you think. Yeah. Coaching is an awesome way to explore those opportunities. Yeah, I agree. And I think, you know, one of the other, I think, hurdles that I see women is they can spend the money on their kids' soccer equipment and the family vacation and they can spend it on everyone else. What I also see is women having a hard time investing in themselves. And so what do you say to those women? You're worth it. And it might just be the best investment you ever made. I mean, if you think about it, how much more expensive is quitting your job out of rage and not having something else lined up or marital counseling or family counseling or whatever the impact of your dissatisfaction, probably more expensive than any investment you would make in in bettering your situation, realistically. And it's an investment that'll pay off forever. It's not like a one and done thing. It's a it's teaching yourself how to continue to grow. And I think that's if that isn't an investment worth making, I don't know what it is. Mm, I, I couldn't agree more. So Caroline, you literally embody what we thought of in creating Women Leading Powerfully. You are a woman leading powerfully in tech. I am so grateful to have you as a client and as an alumni of Women Leading Powerfully. So, so celebrate you and all of your accomplishments and who you are as a woman, as a leader, as just a fierce go-getter in literally changing the face of tech because you are you're you're doing it from a heart-centered place from a servant leadership place and i know the accomplishments that you have accomplished um also within the investment group i know you're you know one of what two or three out of 250 leaders i think it's improved slightly i think we're in double digits okay but still so we're getting there it's a small number and you know also just um you you just are always looking to to grow and to be better so you can do better. 
And I know you are also passionate about helping women elevate and have that that anger to change things and to make an impact. And I appreciate that so much about you. So any last words of wisdom that you have for my listeners before we close out our conversation today, which I've so enjoyed and have been looking forward to this for so long. Last words of wisdom. If you're thinking about it, do it. Because what's the worst that could happen? Right. Or what's the best that could even happen? <laughs> I mean, there's there's very limited downsides and the upside is unlimited. I love it. So whatever that change is, do it. I love it. Well, I've appreciated you taking the time to be on the podcast. Um, like I said, I've, it's been a privilege to be your coach and to be your friend and to watch what you're doing in the tech industry. And we will continue to watch what you do going forward. And I will say, I cannot thank you enough for all of your support over the last 17 years, however long we've been doing this. Uh, <laughs> that number is just going to keep growing every time I say it. Um, and I know that you won't agree with this, but I'm going to say it anyway. I don't know that I would be here if it weren't for you. So I appreciate you. Thank you. And you're right. It is. You've done all the work. You've you've made the investment you've, in yourself. You've done the work. And I, I've been your coach and your guide along the way. And like I said, it's just, it's been a privilege. So thank you, Carolyn. I appreciate it. And we will talk to you soon. Thanks, Matt. Take care. Thank you so much for being here today and listening to the Lead Your Life podcast. My invitation to you is that you do one thing today to move toward a more meaningful, fulfilling life for yourself. Today, you have the opportunity to challenge your mindset or have a meaningful conversation or take one action step towards your goals. So what are you waiting for? It would mean the world to me if you would subscribe and leave a review wherever you are listening to this podcast. I look forward to connecting with you next week. Until then, don't wait till tomorrow. Be your best self now.